the feast of first fruits. Like I said, this is a celebration that actually came many, many years after Passover of the first time. You remember Israel was in bondage in Egypt. And as they welcomed Moses and Aaron to come and have a heart from God, a message from God, a mission from God to release his people from Egypt, that in asking just a very simple request of the Pharaoh to release Israel and allow them to return to their land, the Pharaohs said no. So God had to show Pharaoh the might and the power of his request and his love and his concern and his plan for reaching the entire world through his people Israel, who had actually grown up as a nation somewhat in Egypt over those 400 years. And now they were at a point where God was calling them back to the land that he had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And in that, Pharaoh's heart became harder and harder. The more that God showed his mercy to the Egyptians, well, you say, well, wait a minute, plagues are not a mercy. Well, yes, they are if on the repentance and the the heart of those who are being oppressed by plagues and pestilence and all. And then God says, okay, you're free of those things. Don't you see the the mercy of God, his persistence in showing the Egyptians mercy. Oftentimes we look at the Old Testament and we say, well, God was a terrible God. I can't relate to the God of the Old Testament. No, he was showing continual mercy for the Egyptians. Did you know that God has reserved for Egypt blessing along with Israel? God is a God of mercy. He hasn't changed. Some Christians tell me, I don't like reading the Old Testament. It's dark. It's hard. It scares me. The Old Testament is full. I say full of his love, of his patience, his mercy, his kindness, his goodness. What words are, are we reading if we're, if we're scared of God? of the Old Testament. Really? You know, if you can't see God as a merciful, loving, holy God in the Old Testament, you really won't understand who Jesus Christ is. You really will not understand what your salvation is today because of Jesus Christ coming and we're looking back to the cross. Because God was showing himself to be just. Righteous, compassionate, loving, patient, drawing people to himself. That's what the Old Testament is about. Well, yeah, but there's so many strange things in the Old Testament. Yes, there's so many strange things about us as people. Every one of us. Well, you're smiling, but I don't think you really believe that. You think, well... You know, I'm God's favorite. (laughs) 
Well, we are if we've come to Jesus Christ. We're loved through Jesus Christ. And he sees us as his children, his offspring. But it came all the way through. The whole message came all the way through the Old Testament. And like we've been saying for the last two years now, and we'll keep saying it, this book is only really one book. Yes, it's divided in two. But the the big part of it is very necessary to read. Very necessary to understand. If you're going to understand anything about Jesus Christ of the New Testament. Feast of first fruits. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land that I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. And he will wave the sheaf before the Lord so that you may be accepted. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And on that day, when you wave the sheaf, you shall offer a male lamb, a year old, without blemish, as a burnt offering to the Lord. This was the instructions that they had while they were wandering around in the wilderness. And every morning and every evening they'd go out and they bring in the manna. And God was faithful to them and showed his faithfulness to them. But his ultimate purpose was for them to be in the land that he promised, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because he is a covenant-keeping God and had not forgotten them all those hundreds of years. You see that our flower arrangement this morning, we looked high and low for a barley sheaf. And that's what they were to offer. Japan is a producer of barley. And sometimes we call it winter wheat because they plant it in the fall and it grows all during the the winter and it's harvest about this time of the year. The same was true for Israel. Well, for the, the promised land. That's what they grew there. And so when they entered in there, that was what the harvest was. We'll read about that. We'll, we'll talk about that. Well, the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal. They kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month in the evening on the plains of Jericho. And the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. And the manna ceased the day after they ate of the produce of the land. Phenomenal. Then going on to the New Testament and tying it in. But in fact, Paul is arguing here, Christ has been risen from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, and each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits. Then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. 
Christ the first fruit. Wow. What a concept. That's tying the Old Testament and the New Testament together. See how inseparable it is? You can't do that. Read your Old Testament, folks, and you will understand the New Testament like you've never understood it before. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. And we're going to talk about Jesus, the firstborn. First fruits, firstborn. There's a connection there. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Colossians 1.15-16 You know, the disciples declared the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead according to the ancient scriptures. Their teachers really had not brought out that aspect to them, I don't believe. This was, in some ways, it came across as a new teaching. In fact, it seemed even a strange teaching for those teachers in the synagogue who really didn't make the connection to what was happening. But by the Holy Spirit, I believe, they understood, the apostles and the disciples understood what this meaning was. It made sense to them. It, it came alive for them so that they were just in awe of what they understood that they've been taught their whole life. And now they understood what the first fruits was about, what the firstborn from the dead we're going to talk about that. Last week we talked about Jesus riding into Jerusalem on the choosing of the Lamb Day, the tenth day of Nisan. Nisan's not a car, by the way. It's the, <laughs> it's the first month of the Jewish year. Jesus had celebrated the unleavened bread meal with his disciples on the beginning of Passover with bread and wine. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. And that night, as he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but your will be done. And then they came and arrested him. He was tried throughout the night. He was denied by his disciples who fled. He was condemned by the agitated crowds. And that day, on the 14th of Nisan, they crucified him. He was buried before sundown because it was high Sabbath. I was blessed to run into this uh, diagram of the celebrations of the Jewish year. And I hope you can make it out. And we might have uh, Mel give us the... Uh, pronunciation of some of those words up there. 
I will come up here and tell you. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 just the back. The Colossians, the verse. See, I told you you were going to get no, up here. No, no. I, just, I, I want to show you something that I just noticed that is absolutely amazing. Go back. The back to Colossians. To, to Colossians, okay. Colossians. Notice something that is absolutely amazing. I've never noticed this before. When it's, it says here, for him, right? It's by for by for, for by him. That's right. It says we're created through him and for him, right? Those three words, through, by, and for. In Hebrew is the word bet. You can say bet can mean through or by or for, right? The very first word in the Bible is berashit, berashit. It means in the beginning. We have three words in English, in the beginning. In Hebrew, it's one word, Bereshit, right? Bereshit means first fruits. So the very first word in the Bible can also be translated as for him or by him or through him. <laughs> God created the heavens and the earth. Love it. Oh boy, oh boy. See, that's what I love about this church. We're so relaxed. We don't have any form. We just do what comes naturally, right? Yeah. (laughs) So here we are. Nissan 14 is our Wednesday night. Jesus has the Last Supper or an early Seder with his disciples on Wednesday night. He's arrested that night and tried during the whole night. Nisan 15, our Thursday, he's presented to the agitated crowds and crucified and buried before nightfall. Nisan 16, our Friday, the tomb is sealed because they said, well, remember he said he was going to rise again. Well, we're going to make certain that he doesn't. And we're going to put the Roman seal on that stone. Didn't work, did it? (laughs) To make sure that the disciples didn't steal the body away. And then the second scandal would be worse than the first, that he's the Messiah. He's not the Messiah, they said. Nisan 17, our Saturday, high Sabbath, the waving of the first fruits the waving of the first fruits. Looking forward, yes, you're bringing us a harvest. You're bringing us what we need more than anything else. We need life. We're dying. We're suffering. We're a people that's discredited. How many of us have not felt that? We have. And so in faith, Israel practiced this. And then on Nisan 18, our Sunday, early in the morning, the women come there while it was still dark. They come and they find the tomb is empty. The stone was rolled away. Now what did they think? They were going to go and anoint his body and this stone was in front of the tomb. How did they think they were going to get the stone rolled away? They prepared everything. But how did they know? They didn't. 
But they went anyway. By the prompting of the Holy Spirit, they get there. The stone is rolled away by a great big angel. It was a big stone. (laughs) And he was sitting on it. Amazing, amazing. They discover that he's already risen. Okay, I'm going to share with you four signs of Jesus' resurrection that are specifically mentioned in Scripture. Matthew 12, 38 to 40. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But Jesus answered them with an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given it except the sign, the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Sign 2, Matthew 27, 50-53. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice as he hung on the cross, yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened. And get this, get this, folks. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep, who had died, were raised at the death of Jesus Christ. At the death of Jesus Christ. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Amazing. Amazing. First fruits of those of us who will die and be raised again. The resurrection is real. Sign number three, Revelations 1, 4 to 6. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth. Remember that he is the firstborn of the dead. We'll get into what that means in just a minute. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom of priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Then we'll go on to one more scripture and we'll dig in here and try to understand this. Isaiah 25, 7 to 8. On this mountain he will swallow up the shroud that is over all the peoples, the woven covering that is over all the nations. He will swallow up death permanently. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from every face and remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. Indeed, the Lord has announced it. Acts 2.22-24. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, which God performed through him in your midst. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held 
in its power. We shared this with you last Resurrection Day last year, but I want to share it again because it is powerful. It is makes all the sense in the Bible and in the world and in our Christian lives. Jesus, the firstborn, what does that mean? From the dead. Lots of people had died and even some had risen again. Miracles that were performed. Jesus even raised a little girl from the dead. Lazarus was raised from the dead. All of them had to die again. But Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. Why? Because he was a man who walked in holiness before God, keeping and fulfilling the whole law. And even though being a man, he had no sin. And representing us as a man, dying for us on our behalf as the Lamb of God, being raised again, he became for us the firstborn, the chonan. Remember I talked about that last year? The chonan, the elder brother, the one who for us made a way. Whereas the earth was covered in a shroud of death. Going back to that, putting an end to the agony. Agony comes from the word agonoia. How many of you, now guys, please be, support me in this, okay? Uh, how many of you women have given birth to a child? Quite a few. I, I watched my wife. I was there when she was in agonia. <laughs> and I couldn't do anything about it. All I could do was hold her hand. Remember Eve, what she was going to have to go through? That, in some ways, is prophetic. In the birth that you gave to your children, mothers. Mother's Day is coming soon, but we honor you today. It is agony. And what I believe the prophets are talking about is this shroud of death that represents a kind of a womb. And the nations of the earth are covered by this womb. But it's a shroud of death. That's where we are. None of us are going to get out of this womb alive except for Jesus Christ. And he is the firstborn. And that's why it says that blessed is the firstborn, not only of people, but also of cattle and animals. It represents this one, Jesus Christ, the firstborn of God. Adam was not the firstborn. He was the first created man. And he fell. Jesus was the firstborn man of a new race. And because of him, we live. Because of him, we are given eternal life. Resting on him and him alone, 
not on our own righteousness, but on his righteousness. He met the requirements of the law and fulfilled for us everything that we needed to do. That's glorious. That's power. That's the Christian life. And that's where we live and walk. Every day for us should be Sunday. But you know what? We celebrate Sunday, the first day of the week, because of his resurrection. Amen.